0: like kind of the perfect storm here where the connection to the banking system in the United States seems to be, you know, evaporating and the actual ability to make markets seems to be under pretty significant pressure there as well. Hello, and welcome to The Crypto Brief, a podcast from the Fidelity Center for Applied Technology. Every week, we get together to discuss current events and trends in blockchain technology, tokenization, DeFi, NFTs, mining, and related aspects of the crypto ecosystem. I'm your co-host, Ryan Stubbe, director of Bitcoin Mining, and I'm joined by Jason Ward, head of The Blockchain Incubator, Parth Gargava, product architect within Fidelity Labs, and Jack Newrider, research analyst with Fidelity Digital Assets. Before we begin, just a friendly reminder that this discussion is for educational purposes only and should not be viewed as investment advice or a recommendation for any security or asset. The views expressed are those of the co-hosts and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. As we all know, digital assets are speculative and highly volatile and are only for those investors with a high risk tolerance. So let's dive into what's been happening recently.
1: Good morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? Did you have a good weekend? Pretty good. Yeah. How about you? It's good. Big week in our house. We had a, uh, we had a graduation, so uh, happy to uh, be on this side of the equation. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. That's uh it's always a little nerve wracking leading up to that. Isn't it?
1: <laughs> My God. It was, it was like a ridiculous math problem and trying to sequence all the different activities and who needs to be where, <laughs> what needs to be done at what point in time. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That's,
0: ex- that's exciting though. Congrats to your son. Thank you. And we don't we don't have Parth this week. Parth is he's away at the um, Cornell's IC3 boot camp. Um, So, you know, looking forward to kind of hearing um, hearing about that when he's when he's back in a a few weeks. Um, So I think let's just jump right in. There's there's last week was a very, very busy week um, in, in the crypto news sphere. Of course if you've been even loosely paying attention two very notable um enforcement actions taken by the the sec one uh earlier in the week against Binance, and then the day after um against coinbase um and and just a, a huge amount of information coming out around around those different complaints um and you're you're starting to see kind of the the in the early days Portions of the industry, different exchanges and companies taking certain actions to kind of hedge against what some of the perceived risks are as a result of, of these suits. So we're going to we'll, we'll dig into kind of what the um, the complaints are. And then maybe talk a little bit about, um, about again, what the, the ripple effects have been. And then maybe if we have time at the end, Jason, I'd, I'd be, love to get your thoughts around um, some of the proposed les- legislation that we saw come out last week, um, which, of course, was really interestingly timed again with, with um, you know, the complaints that were fi- filed. Um, so I think just let's go chronological so maybe let's let's start with Binance um so Jack do you mind just giving us an overview of of what the complaint against Binance is and what it contains
2: yeah certainly and like you said this is these are kind of the the two stories that are driving crypto markets right now both of them centered around actions taken by the SEC so the SEC filed Thirteen charges against Binance entities and their founder Cheng Peng Zhao, CZ, as everyone calls him, uh, on June fifth. So that'd be last Monday, as we're speaking currently. Uh, remember, back in March, the CFTC brought a series of charges against Binance. Now we're seeing the SEC step forward with charges against Binance and CZ. Um, the list, you know, it's it's quite exhaustive. But it kind of includes what I would look at as sort of two categories. And we're going to get to Coinbase as well, as that was the follow on. I think that was Tuesday of that week. So it's sort of back to back dominoes from from the SEC. But there's two categories for Binance that these charges fit into. One bucket was more around, you know, offering unregistered securities. Uh, So I'll go go through a little bit of the list. Unregistered exchange broker and clearing agency was was one of the allegations. Um, the offering of unregistered securities that included BNB, BUSD, so their native token and their stablecoin that they were issuing that has since paused, that was created with Paxos, Uh, their lending platform as part of that sort of allegations of potential unregistered securities. Uh, And then there was also sort of a, a subset of things that applied only to Binance here in this case, which was around the misappropriation of funds and accusations that funds that were held by Binance US were then potentially siphoned off to trading entities, which CZ was the operator of. Things that kind of look like FTX had been partaking in, potentially the SEC is, is saying that Binance might have been doing or has been doing. Um, And so now at the moment, we're kind of left wondering because of the seriousness of these allegations. I think some people are saying if you add up CFTC and the SEC both going after Binance, could we potentially hear from the DOJ because of the seriousness of these offenses? I don't want to like allude to the idea that we know anything's coming or not. Um, But again, if if you look at some of the allegations, they do look like potentially you know, that could be something that we hear in the future. And then it just kind of like analyzing or looking at the market right now, I checked Glassnode just before we got on here. Bitcoin balances are down 5 to 6% uh, over the past week and a half on Binance. So down a little bit, but overall, you know, kind of surprising that we're, we're still seeing the vast majority of assets on Binance.com you know, still being held there. The BNB token, is down 25% over the past month. Nearly all of that is in the last 10 days. I think this is really the, that's kind of the signal to watch at the moment is what happens with BNB and what's developing in this situation. At the moment, it doesn't appear all that great, right?
0: Yeah, and thanks for the summary there. I think just a few other things that kind of have really stood out to me as well is since the complaint was filed, We did see uh, Binance U.S. come out and say that, you know, they were suspending U.S. dollar deposits um, and that if you wanted to get, you know, your, again, fiat off of the platform you know over bank transfers that you should do it immediately um, because you know their banking partners um in the united states were moving to sever their relationship so i think that's obviously really telling um and you, and, you know we've we've also seen them i think you, you maybe alluded to this um with with uh busd and bnb but we've also seen them delist several other trading pairs um again since the the complaint was filed um and i'm curious also to get your thoughts um i i know um, this is maybe a bit contested, but it's looking like um, liquidity on on Binance US is down almost 78% um, since last week with a, a number of large market makers um, moving away from the platform. So again, you know, it's you know, it's like kind of the perfect storm here where the connection to the banking system in the United States seems to be, you know, evaporating and the actual ability to make markets seems to be under pretty significant pressure there as well.
2: Yeah, there was a a period of time last week where the price of Bitcoin on Binance and Binance US specifically was trading at like a quite a large premium to, you know, other spot exchanges, Coinbase, for example, Uh, you know, it was a meaningful percentage. And usually what you would see if it was a healthy market, is market makers would arbitrage the spreads across these exchanges. I mean, this goes all the way back to like 2016, 2017, things were super inefficient, and then all of these market makers stepped in and, and sort of increased the the overall efficiency such that you know, spreads across exchanges or pricing is, is relatively decent in, in crypto markets. And now you're seeing trouble in paradise, so to speak, for Binance, and then nobody wants to step in and arbitrage that. It's a sign of, you know, like you said, some of these market makers stepping away and, and thinking the reward is not worth the risk there.
1: The risk, yeah. I, I think yeah. if you if you look beyond even uh, Binance US, there was reporting done by uh, CoinDesk that um, a group called uh, High Block Capital runs a global bid ask indicator. And that metric, which essentially looks at the the resting bid and ask orders for about 1,100 coins worldwide, fell by 20% across the spot market. So definitely um, a a pullback on liquidity in in action. But I have to say, one of the things that I had uh, heard on the radio previously and had read in a few different articles that is, um, I think, probably going to be a challenge for the Binance team is that back in 2018, their compliance officer had expressed some concerns about um, their operations may be being interpreted as a um, an unregistered securities exchange. So it's one of those situations where there's a lot of information out there. Uh, since this was being reported on some months ago, it's not surprising to see it referenced in the current suit.
0: Yeah, and so I think I think that's a that's a good segue then into, you know, the the second big news story of the week, um, which is, the SEC taking uh, action against Coinbase, um, and so this was really like a, a one-two punch. I think the market was still assessing and and reeling somewhat from from the Binance news, um, and so the SEC's action against Coinbase. There's definitely some some similarities, but there's also some differences. So. I think there's there's like three key areas, right? The first, um, Jack, to your point, was around kind of market function. Um, and so the SEC is saying that Coinbase acts as a broker exchange and a clearing agency um, consolidated into one entity. Um, and these are traditionally segregated functions in, in your kind of traditional financial uh, market structure. Um, but they all, you know, under securities law, re- require registration with the SEC. And so the, that's, that's really the first, I would say, allegation is that Um, coinbase has been kind of fulfilling this these these three roles um and that they never they never registered um you know as any of those entities with the sec um the second which is is not you know not super surprising based on the wells notice that the sec uh, served coinbase um earlier in the spring um is is around their staking offering right so um again this language was was Kind of already in the wells notice saying that they' their staking as a service offering um, constituted an unregistered security. Um, and I think J- Jason you um, you dug into the the complaint specifically. what was the language that the uh, the SEC used
1: on this yeah so it, it was reported by uh, CNBC that the SEC language noted that in this staking program was a way for investors to earn financial returns through coinbase's managerial efforts. So looking back at the Howey test, you know, are you expecting uh, an increase in value as a result of others' efforts? And, you know, they, they did say that five of the assets, uh, stable assets, were uh, potentially securities under their interpretation of the law. So I think it's important to delineate. This is not talking about the act of staking being something that is not acceptable. It is seemingly looking at the fact that the participants in the staking program were being advantaged through the efforts of others. So. Um, but there is
0: some that, other value being ab- extract, able to be abstracted by participating in the Coinbase staking service offering versus solo staking, which is staking your own assets.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right. And then candidly, you have to ask the question, um, does this apply to any infrastructure provider? I think the answer is we'll have to wait and see. My gut instinct is no. It, it probably depends on how that particular offering is is structured.
0: Yeah. And then the the final the final charge again aligned somewhat with the the Binance uh, complaint was just around the some of the assets that are listed on the Coinbase exchange. Um, There's a list of 13 assets that the SEC has now explicitly said they believe um, are unregistered securities, which include Solana, um, Polygon, um, Cardano, and and several others. Um, And I think it's one thing to note, just speaking to the ripple effect here, um, uh, Robinhood has since come out and said that they are actually delisting those three assets. pretty much with immediate effect. Um, I think you have until close to, closer to the end of June to either TOA those assets um, off of Robinhood um, if it's available to you or to liquidate them. Otherwise, they're going to liquidate it and basically credit your account. So I think that that's a pretty notable, maybe... Not terribly surprising development, but maybe more clarity than we've ever had around some of these assets as to the SEC explicitly saying, no, we think these are securities, right? And I think this is kind of, this is a piece where it will be really interesting to watch how the market reacts. And again, you know, Robinhood taking very early action, but I I really
1: doubt that they are going to be the last. So, so, Ryan, I, I thought you were trying to make a very funny pun on the Ripple effect because of the ongoing oh. <laughs> lawsuit between the SEC and Ripple, but I, I see you were I'm not- I'm not that cheeky, but I, I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, but I, it, I decided to quickly check to say, I, I thought Coinbase delisted Ripple some time ago, and uh, it, it does appear that that was the case. So, um, you know, unintended uh, good uh, choice of words there. Ryan, you mentioned watching the, the price action
2: following- some of these announcements. And over the weekend, can't remember if it was Friday night, Saturday night, I think it was Saturday night, everything that wasn't Bitcoin and ETH was down like 20, 25%. Um, part of that might have had to do with some of the liquidity being pulled on on these exchanges like Binance that helped support some of the, you know, the liquidity in these tokens. And if people were trying to sell and there wasn't enough you know, marginal liquidity, then you do see prices have to reset. Another uh, thing I'd mention is, Ryan, you said some of the tokens that they've alleged are securities in these two cases. Some of them are the same uh, across Binance and Coinbase. Some of them are different. But one notable exclusion, of course, is Ethereum was not listed explicitly, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was listed in the Coinbase suit under the you know, the staking program that they have. But I think that was more specific towards the staking program and its design rather than Ethereum on its own. And I don't know if either of you have a take here. Is it the result of the SEC capitulating on Ethereum as a security? Or is it more so just, hey, that's a like a meaty topic that like we think some of these things are more likely to be deemed securities, So let's just leave that one to the side. Like, I, I don't know which one of those it is. Um, but for Ethereum, some were viewing that as kind of a a small win in a sea of, uh, you know, rough waters.
0: Or, Jason, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. But to me, it feels like, you know, we've had no clarity around some of these, like, altcoin assets. Whereas, you know, the SEC has come out and, and you know, sufficiently decentralized, quote unquote, right? Um, and indicated that, you know, it, they didn't believe at a, at a point in time um, that it was a security um eth be, that is um but i think recent actions jack have kind of cast some uncertainty on that point of view because they have listed in certain lawsuits ethereum as potentially being a security and there hasn't been any really you know again material guidance to indicate um you know if their line of thinking around this issue has changed right so i think because they've come out and, and stated you know that it's one way It's kind of maybe a little bit harder to unwind, right? If if their their point of view on this has changed, so I don't know if we're, you know, I think yeah, the market's reading this as you know a largely positive thing, but I don't know that we're necessarily out of the woods on on that particular issue just yet. So
1: I yeah I I agree with you, and that's the skeptic in me. Well, I, I think there's some positioning that's gone on, and Jack, specific to these particular cases, it may be that they feel strongly that they don't need to pull that in because they've got uh, strong enough arguments other for the other tokens. Yeah. But it's important to note that the SEC tried to have the uh, documents related to uh, Bill Hinman's speech about sufficiently decentralized sealed in the Ripple lawsuit, and the federal judge overseeing that suit um, basically came out earlier this year as saying that uh, the SEC cannot seal those documents. So... Um, I I think that on the ongoing perspective, you know, people view, as I say broad brush, people view Ethereum as a commodity, in part because of the prior communications from an SEC official. Now, what I think is also kind of telling, and Jack, I know you follow these metrics quite a bit as well, is that in in the wake of the, we'll we'll call it sell-off of the weekend associated with the illiquidity, uh, the... Bitcoin and Ethereum dominance rose to 47.7% for Bitcoin and 19.9% for Ethereum. So, I think that reflection of nearly one-fifth of value being placed in Ethereum is an expression of confidence from the, the market and the, the participants in this crypto ecosystem. That's a great point, Jason. Um, yeah, I totally
2: agree. I mean, there was clearly two assets... That, uh, you know, excluding stable coins, of course, there were clearly two assets that behave differently from nearly the rest of the market. And they were the two largest, you know, each having their own kind of unique use cases and network effects. I mean, these are things that, you know, we kind of constantly talk about as Bitcoin and Ethereum being the two kind of decentralized ecosystems that have real networks of users.
0: Yeah. Um, and as you can, you know, imagine Coinbase coming out very strongly against these charges. Um, I think, um, you know, the, their chief legal officer, you know, saying that they are basically going to operate business as usual until there's, um, you know, there's some outcome in, in this lawsuit um, and kind of echoing uh, comments that we've heard from Brian Armstrong that, you know, this type of approach to the space is is long-term going to really, um, imp- have a negative impact on, you know, America's, um, you know, leadership role as an innovator in this space. Um, and Brian Armstrong, I think, again, because these lawsuits came out so close to one another, Coinbase may be looking to put a little bit of distance between the charges against Binance versus the charges against them, just given, you know, again, as we've covered the kind of, uh, Pretty significant differences in some of those charges, right? Um, and I, I think Coinbase is, is is gearing up for a very significant battle, right? And, I, and I'd be curious to get your your takes on this. Um, it's seeming like this could drag on for quite some time because it, it, it's clear to me that Coinbase is is not prepared at this point to back down, um, and that they're going to they're going to fight this.
1: Yeah, Jack, if you don't mind, I, I got some thoughts to share on this. that I that I've been thinking a lot about. So first, I think the timing of the two lawsuits was intended for maximum effect. Day after day, drop the more serious Binance one first, and try to um, essentially say, "Oh, and Coinbase doing the same things," which they're not. You know, some of the things are, are um, appear to be similar between the two lawsuits, but as Jack pointed out and you pointed out, Ryan, they're they're very different um, when it comes down to the details. So I, I think there's a, a bit of an, an intent to maybe um, sway the court of public opinion well before the adjudication of these cases will take place, which I think is going to take years. You know, We've seen people pushing offshore. Uh, Coinbase has talked about moving offshore in order to have a, a more um, productive regulatory environment for their operations, as have others. Uh, Michael Casey uh, from CoinDesk put out a great article uh, basically saying, the SEC is declaring war on crypto in the U.S., and he's talking about all these other nations that are attracting talent and capital right now because these firms are more willing to take the the, the cost of moving overseas in order to have the benefit of the the regulatory environment in clarity. But I, I do think that you know there's a lot of uh, I'll call it metaphors being thrown around. And I was I was telling you guys the other day I was listening to the radio and I heard people saying, well. One argument is, yeah, Coinbase, they went through an SEC review when they brought their equity shares public, so the SEC had a chance to dig in and, and really understand this business before they gave the green light to have those shares trade publicly. And then the counter-argument I heard, which was um, kind of interesting, is, well, the SEC, they, they also approve trading in public lawnmower companies. They don't vouch for the lawnmower's product. And I thought, it's kind of a shallow argument. I mean, the reality is there's a higher level of due diligence I think you would put into uh, a financial services company. Uh, again, my own personal perspective, I'm I, not a lawyer, don't, don't know exactly the rigor that they went through. But what my opinion is, is that the SEC had ample opportunity to state challenges or things that they thought were possibly not compliant with uh, Coinbase, with that exchange before they allowed it to go trade public.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and y- your comment around you know companies leaving the United States, um, I think another notable um, kind of effect from this is you know Mike Novogratz from Galaxy Digital coming out and saying that they're going to lo- look to push more of their personnel um, overseas as they as they look to grow their their business outside of the United States. Um, I think Crypto.com also coming out and saying that they're um, discontinuing their institutional off- offering um, in the U.S. I think citing. Lack of demand, but also saying that that's driven by uncertainty in the market. So I think these are very material examples of what can happen uh, to an industry or to an ecosystem when there's such a high degree of uncertainty and fear around what what could possibly go wrong from a, from a legal perspective. So th- this this piece of it will be will be really interesting to watch right like we've even seen Coinbase leading up to this um to this complaint starting to diversify their business and, and set up shop um you know overseas um you'll largely you know as what we I think reported on at the time was you we know, generally a hedge to to some of this regulatory uncertainty and now we're seeing that you know maybe you know that that was necessitated <laughs> to a certain extent right um I don't know you know we don't know what they knew but um nonetheless I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how these how these firms are looking to grow their businesses and, and where they're doing it um, in the face of kind of Jason to your point, what is probably going to be um, lack of clarity for for quite some time.
2: At, at the end of the day, like despite you know many finding the, the current approach from regulators to be rather frustrating, it does feel like we're starting to push into the territory where, It might take some time, but we'll get more answers. And ultimately, that regulatory clarity is a huge missing piece to allowing the whole thing we always talk about, real-world assets finding their way on chain. It makes a lot of these things more useful. The ability for institutional capital to actually allocate, because now there's a a wider set of standards around how custodians and exchanges should be interacting, and these offshore platforms, and clarity around stable coins. all of those things, it feels like it's coming. It's probably still going to take longer than we all want it to. But at the end of the day, that's what gets us to, on the other side, theoretically, of allowing you know the larger pools of capital that really aren't there yet because all of this stuff is happening.
1: And Jack, I, I think you're right. And I'm thinking back to one of our earlier episodes. And I have this mental image that you know, we're in the crypto marathon right now in the regulatory marathon. and let's hope that this is our heartbreak hill and we get over that <laughs> and then we we sail back down to Boylston. But I think the really important thing to understand is this industry is very uh, center right now in the political arena, not just because of these suits, but I think, the urgency around taking action from a legislative perspective has increased because of the SEC actions. And, you know, when I I think about that, the, the broad brush term we use often, regulatory uncertainty, I'm guilty of it as well. But I think what we're really talking about is having some more specificity around how this new type of asset fits into existing regulations or where there are gaps. And one of the things that I was interested in was that Last week, we saw a draft proposal from um, Representative McHenry, who chairs the House Financial Services Committee, and the Agricultural Committee Chair, Glenn Thompson, um, called the Digital Asset Market Structure Proposal. And within that draft bill, again, draft being emphasized repeatedly, they are looking to help clarify how to classify assets as either a security or a commodity. And they're talking about um, a a basically a um, I don't want to call it a sandbox, but sort of a moratorium on enforcement actions until this these rules can be worked out. But I I think this type of safe harbor would be very beneficial to allow for maturity in the industry, but also, frankly, maturity in the understanding of the policymakers and their staff who would be responsible for helping to try and provide that clarity we're seeking. And again, think about Congress gives oversight powers and controls of the the executive branch in terms of like the SEC and other regulators, CFTC. I think it could be very constructive to advance the dialogue. Now, how quickly it moves is definitely something we don't know, and we're coming into a, a presidential election cycle, so um, that that can be challenging as well. But they're really talking about um, how broker dealers could take custody of crypto assets, which is already being discussed. They're also Talking about uh, doing studies around DeFi and NFTs that, that might come with clarity at a later point in time, but really thinking about how we can improve the, the current structure where you have some oversight by both CFTC and SEC, um, among other agencies, I think would be helpful. So back to your point, it is a probably a necessary part of the maturity process, but hopefully one that, that can find a, a bit of a fast track, because it certainly has attention today. And I'd rather mm-hmm. see things worked out in the halls of Congress and through the, the actual application of the laws as opposed to just in the court of public opinion.
0: I think that's a, that's a pretty uh, good place to leave it for this week. Um, I, I like that we, we ended on maybe a pseudo positive note. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see how much support this, this garners because it, to your point, Jason, it is just a draft and it was just, uh, just released. So, um, something definitely that to monitor, um, moving forward, um, and, and just uh, just a quick housekeeping um, announcement uh, we do have a really fantastic recording um, interview with um, Jason Jack and Parth with Maggie Love the uh, co-founder of uh, shefi talking about um, education the need for education and, and um, inclusion in the space and you know many other great thing. So, uh, that'll be, um, released wherever you get your podcasts on, on Tuesday, um, including Spotify and Apple. So definitely take a look, um, out for that. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's it for this week. Thanks guys for a great discussion. Um, know, I'm sure we'll be, there's a lot that we talked about this week that will be, uh, ongoing for quite some time. So we'll be uh, monitoring it closely. See you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thanks guys. See you later.
3: Digital assets are speculative and highly volatile can become illiquid at any time and are only for those investors willing to risk losing some or all of their investment and who have the experience and ability to evaluate the risks and merits of an investment. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. This podcast was produced by Fidelity Center for Applied Technology, also known as FCAT. FCAT does not offer digital assets nor provide clearing or custody of such assets. It is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide tax, legal, insurance or investment advice and should not be construed as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy or a recommendation for any security or other asset by any fidelity entity or any third party. Views expressed are as of the date indicated based on the information available at the time and may change based on market or other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. Fidelity and any other third parties mentioned in the podcast are independent entities and not affiliated. Mentioning them does not suggest a recommendation or endorsement by Fidelity. This information is not intended for distribution to or use by any person or entity in any jurisdiction or country where such distribution or use would be contrary to local law or regulation. Persons accessing this information are required to inform themselves about and observe such restrictions. Third-party trade Marks appearing herein are the property of the respective owners. All others are the property of FMR LLC. Copyright 2023. FMR LLC. All rights reserved. 1040156.